All right, everybody good? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Ma maybe. <laughs> oh, I know four out of five of us are good. <laughs> yeah, sure. See, I don't want to yeah, sure. If we're going to do it, yeah. I need you to not be searching. Birds to light. <laughs> it ends tonight. Forecast episode 165. The Forecast is a bi-weekly podcast streamed on Thursdays and released on YouTube on podcast on Fridays. Of course, if you're listening to this one, you're hearing audio only probably because you know what? There's always a problem. There's always some sort of issue that shows up when you least expect it. And here we are. But you know what? We're rolling with it. It's okay. Wait, anyway. Can you hear not audio? You can only hear audio only. Wow. Listen, Caleb. <laughs> Shut up. We are a community of people who love exploring and discussing all kinds of things from video games to board games to film and TV to our everyday life experiences. If you'd like to know more about what we do, you can follow us at facebook.com forward slash horizon FB, or you can come hang out on our discord channel, or you can check out our website, wearethehorizon.com, where we have a bunch of original content for you to browse through, including our multi-arc Starfinder adventure, the discord and signal that we hope yet again, there's another problem there. We hope maybe we'll be back ready to roll on Monday. We'll see. Additionally, Everything we talk about is in our cast notes, which is pushed out to whatever podcasting app you are using. I'm Aaron, joined by a couple of additional peeps. Alex. Yellow. Caleb. Hey, that's me. Chad. I don't like not seeing you guys. And Jake. <laughs> oh, hey, what up? It does make it just kind of sad, you know. A little bit. I always have the whatever. video up and I'm watching everybody. I see I no. see the expression of like, all right, here comes Aaron. You know, signing some of us in, but nope, not this time. <laughs> I'm like pointing at people. I'm like, oh, you're up. You're ready. Here we go. Let's do it. Um, let's do a segment off the top. Caleb, I'm, I know you've been really excited about this, so let's talk real quick about the Silk Song update. Oh yeah, so much news about Silk Song. It's probably still a thing. Wow, what a Man, good segment, Caleb. Thank you. Is this, Thank you. Is this turning into Pray for the Gods? <laughs> <laughs> like six years down the road, he's going to yeah. be like, somebody else is going to say, hey, Caleb, did you know that Silk Song just came out? What? No, it didn't. <laughs> they yeah, they had just had to change, change the spelling the slightly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> S-I-L-K-E-S-O-N-G. <laughs> going to be a good game. All right. Well, that was uh, Silk Song update with Caleb. Let's move on to what have you been playing lately? And Jake, we're going to start with you this week. Oh, we're going to start with me. Okay. Um, so I've actually I've been playing a lot of games I didn't get a chance to play this year in preparation for our Game of the Year podcast. Uh, we're doing it. We're doing it super late this year, so I, I had a ton of time to play stuff. Uh, the first one I wanted to talk about was Citizen Sleeper. Uh, we've talked about it a few times, so I won't get into the weeds too much with it uh but it's a game that sounded really cool but that i didn't think i would really get into because i usually have trouble getting into games like this games that are really text heavy not so much like visual novel e but like really deep sort of like rpgs i guess with a lot of text sort of like your disco elysiums and that mm -hmm. kind of stuff uh right. but I actually really really liked citizen sleeper i don't know what was different about it? I think it's that 
I think it helps that it's it's kind of a lot of its descriptions are shorter. Usually when you go into an event, it's like, okay, here's this person. They say this thing to you. You know, like here's the scene and you can kind of it's pretty short. Whereas like I mean, Disco Elysium is kind of my most recent point of reference, and I love that game. But the number of times I would go like, hey, listen, I need to find a clue. I need to find, like, a shoe or whatever. And the guy's like, but what do you think about capitalism? And I'm like, I just, <laughs> like, I just wanted to talk to you for, like, a second. And I just, I can't follow this conversation right now. But Citizen Sleeper, it's nice, succinct, to the point. And I really, really like its system for, like, accomplishing actions. Because it's not, like, you have stats, but it's not like, okay, you have minus one strength, so you are never going to accomplish anything with strength. Or you have really good computer skills, so you just auto-pass anything with computer skills. You have, like, six or so dice at the start of the day. It rolls at the start of the day, and so you get, like, a five, two threes, a four, and a one. And you can use those on different actions. So if you get stuck in a situation where it's like, ah, shit, I'm really weak, but I really want to do this strength-related activity, well, it's fine. You just take one of your high dice, you put it in there, and you're pretty much guaranteed to succeed there. Hmm. And I thought that was a really cool way to do it. Yeah. Even the buffs you get from stats are really slight. Mm -hmm. You you barely ever get above a plus one. Like, you make it one or two skills to up to plus two. Yeah, I think... I think you can get up to plus three, but it's really expensive. The you bigger thing three? is... I didn't know you could get plus three. I think you can get plus three. I believe so. Maybe it's only plus <laughs> two. It might only remember. be plus two. The bigger thing, though, when you up your stats is you can get perks. Mm-hmm. So, like, for instance, I so I, I'm playing, like, a hacker character. And one of the perks you get is whenever you hack something, you have a percentage chance to just get some free money when you hack stuff. And that's that's great. Because I'm a hacker, I hack stuff all the time. And it's just like, hey, good job, good job hacking that thing. Here's five bucks. <laughs> and it's like, oh, nice. It's just like a fun little thing. Uh, I know, I don't have this one, but if you have like higher endurance, you can go to your house and literally just lay in the sun because you have photosynthetic skin and you just get energy mm. just chilling at your house. And it's like, oh, that's such like, that's like a fun. I use that one a bunch. That's cool. Yeah. No, it's There's it's one a really for rerolling cool your dice once per day. Oh, oh my god, amazing. I just got that. Game changing. <laughs> Holy shit. Use all your real good dice and reroll everything. It's great. The other thing I think is really cool, because I, I was a little hesitant to play the hacker, because I feel like whenever you play the hacker in games, I feel like it usually sucks. I feel like I usually regret it. Because you either <laughs> spend a lot of time playing a hacking minigame. And I don't know if I've ever True. played a hacking minigame and been like, oh yeah, that's fun. I enjoy that. Or you spend all the game just staring at little terminals writing or reading emails, and every puzzle, the answer is just go play the hacking minigame and open the door that way instead of doing, like, a quest. But in this one, there are quests that's just like, hey, you need to, like, you need to hack those guys, those asshole guys. And so you go to, like, the hacking view, and it's like, okay, to hack this terminal, you need a two. And it's like, oh, I have a two. So you just put the two in there, and you hacked it. Good job. So this is cool for a few reasons. It means your low rolls aren't necessarily useless. A lot of times the hacking, a lot of them are like ones, twos, or threes. So you can hack a lot of stuff with your shitty die rolls. So it's not just completely wasted. And the other nice thing is if you have like a high hacking skill, one of the first perks you get is those terminals. There's a second die you can use. 
So like there's a terminal that's like, oh, you need one of the ones I just had. It's like you need a six to hack this. But since I have high hacking, it was like you need a six or a four. And I'm like, I'm way more willing to give up a four because like a six, I'm saving that six. I'm doing something cool with the six. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I can just use the four on this. Uh, so that's that's really cool. I've been really, really enjoying that. I like the way it deals with like endings to the game because mm. there's a bunch of almost just departure points from your story in a, in various different ways that you can just go after if that's the way you want to finish the story of the game. And it always saves immediately read departure really read ending. That's can... I haven't I haven't finished the game yet, but that's really nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it it's there's so many off ramps from the story. I, th- I think it's just a cool idea to have those available. Like sometimes from almost the very beginning of the playthrough, you can like see the ending and what you're aiming towards. It is nice that it doesn't fall into that trap of like this is the good ending, this is the bad ending. Yeah, More yeah having like not really none of different that. answers to what you want to do. The the game honestly is. Inc- I, I don't even know if it's possible. It's at least incredibly difficult to lose. Yeah, I was I I was wondering about that. When there's a part, I guess minor spoiler, a dude shows up with a gun. I yeah. was like, uh oh, I'm just mm-hmm. I'm just gonna fucking get out of here. This sucks. And he just like I was like, is he gonna is he gonna shoot me if I do that though? And so I tried it, and like he didn't. He shot near me. It was scary, but I didn't die. <laughs> so that mm. was that was nice. Difficult, seems... if not imp- like if almost impossible to lose. It Make sure might I get that be right. Impossible to lose. I don't know. I, hmm. I bet you could. I don't know if the game's a little easy or if I have just planned my money really well. But I've never gotten below three dice. It has this yeah. energy system yeah. where you, yeah. you need this drug to live, and if you go too long, as you go without it, you lose dice. So you start with six, then at like three quarters energy, you get five, and then four, three, two, whatever. Every time I hit three dice, I just max it again. Yep. Yeah, pretty much always had the money or resources necessary. Yeah, getting money is pretty easy. Most of the things you want to do give you money. Hmm. There are uh, some timed events that could cause you to lose, I guess. I hadn't really... I I don't know for sure, though, because I never really failed any of them that were important enough. Yeah, I mean, it it at least felt like, obviously, you have to, like, focus on certain things. And it just seems like, yeah, obviously I'm going to do this and not lose. Right? I bet I bet if sure. you specifically went for a long time without eating food, I bet you could die. Think so. You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. Or they give you enough ways to that, that, that stuff that you need to live. Mm-hmm. Now, I know like. So there's there's DLC episodes at the end of the game. Yep. And so that stuff takes like a lot to get done and I started it too early. Um, and so I did not get like everything I wanted out of it. But still kind of like like continued the story though with it. Even though I didn't necessarily get do what I wanted to do entirely. It does warn you about that in case you're worried I was gonna about say, accidentally doing it. Yeah. No, I, I already found it, started it and then it said, hey 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 this is endgame content. Be careful. Yeah. I went, oh, sorry. Sorry, sir. I didn't <laughs> it know. It gives you the warning. But I was at a point where I was like, 
almost done with everything else, but then I didn't realize there was a whole other section to one thing that was going to pop up. Yeah, that that is one thing. And it that... kind of screwed me. I don't know if annoying is the word, but like the number of times I've been like, great, I'm going to turn this in. I'm going to finish that quest. Maybe I'll level up. It'll be great. And I do the one more thing and then it's like, oh, and by the way, here's another set of like yeah. five quests. And I'm like, son of a bitch. I thought I was done. I thought I was finished with you. Uh, one last thing that I really like about this game uh, is it, av it avoids a trap that I always run into with stuff like this where there's like percent chances. Uh, so oh. like like Disco Elysium, right? You're like, oh, I have a 50% chance of getting this. Why not quick save, try it, and then load the save? Mm -hmm. This game, as soon as you do something, it autosaves. You ain't backing up. You get one save, and we're autosaving over it. So like if I go, if I go and I have like, oh, there's a 50% chance that this is neutral and 50% chance that it's negative, and I'm like, well, fuck it, I'll just save and try it until I get the good version. No, you can't do that. Yeah. I honestly prefer that because I, I run into the problem with games where I will one of the ones that I that annoys me the most is when you're playing like um uh turn-based tactical X and it's like 98% <laughs> of yep. hitting yeah and you miss on 2% I'm like why are we even showing percentages this is annoying but you get into this mode where you're like well I don't want to lose that character so I'm just going to reload before the save I mean yeah. I know that there's ways around that like you can force yourself to go on a pathway of not being able to reload. There's some Iron Man mode or whatever it's called. Mm -hmm. But in general, you just kind of lean that direction because you're like, I'm just going to save scum this so that I can get the ending that I want or I, I can progress the way that I want versus dealing with the consequences of a happenstance situation where it's like 50-50 and it just doesn't go your way. Right. Well, it, right. Because at that point, it's not like, oh, I messed up. And so this guy died. It's like, well, I missed that 90% shot, so now half my squad gets wiped? That's not fair. That's bullshit. Yeah. 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 I, this came up just the other day when I was playing uh, Hard West 2. I was complaining about mm. it. I think to Alex. Yeah. And I stopped playing it because I missed like three 90 plus percent shots back yeah. to back I, to back. And I, was I like, really I don't, don't like that. There's, I just really, it's really, really don't like it. Yeah. But it's, and, it's hard to get around that. But anyway, back to Disco Elysium because you said it solves that problem. Kind yes. Of. Citizen Sleeper. Citizen Sorry. Sleeper does. I don't know why I said Disco Elysium because you were talking about it earlier. <laughs> I, Citizen I was Sleeper. talking about it. Yeah, because it auto saves over it. And the other nice thing, well, I think I have a perk for this actually. No, no, it tells you. So like, if you put in a one, it's like a one or a two. You have a fifty percent chance of a negative outcome, fifty percent chance of a neutral outcome. Mm -hmm. uh, and then if it's slightly higher, it's twenty five percent negative, fifty percent neutral, twenty five percent positive. But then if it's a high die, fifty percent neutral, fifty percent positive. So that also helps mitigate it somewhat, where you're not like, oh, I'm just going to half-ass, you know, delivering this food to this guy. And it's like, oh, well, he pulled a gun and he shot you. It's right. like, no, mm -hmm. no, 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 no. It tells you how risky a choice is, and it tells you positive versus negative versus neutral. It's nice which... that it pads it with neutral, so you don't run into a situation where you have that 90% and you, you know, right. fail. You get screwed, <laughs> right? Right. You have the really bad, you have the negative outcome versus, man, I just spent like a really big die on this. I, I the, No, I don't right. want that. Yeah, half of using the big die is just being like, I don't want I don't want anything bad to happen from this. Even if it's yep. not great, I'm not going to get hit in the head and die. Right. And it's always in those 25% increments of good, mm -hmm. bad, and neutral. So it feels much better. And I even, um, I, I got a perk that lets me actually see positive and negative outcomes oh, nice. which also is hugely helpful because going in and being like 
well, I could fail this. And it's like, oh, well, you're going to be, you're going to lose a bunch of energy if you fail this. And I'm like, oh, that's actually, that's pretty bad. I'm not going to do that. So that, you know, it's just, it's a really good game. Writing's really good. The art is great. It's kind of yeah. sparse. It's mostly just like character portraits when you're talking to a character, but they're mm. gorgeous. They're so nice. The music's um, really good. I listen to it on, on Spotify for like, you know, when I'm doing studious activities. Mm-hmm. studious activities when you, need, when you need that like cool background music that you're not necessarily like super focused on right uh one of the other things i've been playing i finally got neon white i was i feel like i was really really late to this party uh but neon white uh we talked about it a while ago but just as like a recap it's like a highly stylized speed runny first person shooter puzzle platform kind of thing it's fucking great. I really love it. I like that game a lot. Yeah, I was... I don't know why. I was really worried that I wasn't going to like this. Um, It seems like something right up my alley, but then it got, like, really popular. And I was like, maybe it's not. Because <laughs> I, I like weird shit. <laughs> but then I played it, and it's weird shit. It's really... It's weird shit, but it's also really, really fun. So I was really glad, glad for that. Um, I played up to where you start hanging out with people. Like, after, mm-hmm. I think it's after Mission 1. I, yeah, I just that game I couldn't just didn't click with me, not my style at all. I'm I'm very I surprised how people would really like it. But I thought I thought you would really like the puzzle platformy stuff because each level, it's not so much. One thing that I really liked about this, and one thing that I was worried about was since it's like a speedrun game, I thought it would be super execution heavy. But most of the levels, you don't need to be that good. You just need to find a really good path. From yeah. beginning to end. That's really where I think it's interesting. And obviously, if you want to get like high, high, high scores, your execution is going to need to be on point too. But to just get like an A rank on every level, you basically just need to solve the puzzle of how do I kill all the enemies and reach the end quickly? Mm-hmm. And I, I thought I thought that would be right up your alley, Caleb. I would think so, but I don't know. I don't know what it is. Just to, but is it, does it tend maybe to be... I played it at the wrong time or something. Does it tend tend to be more like the puzzly approach of, and I I say puzzly, like as in trying to solve how to get that pathway, you know, nailed down so that you're within that time frame and you've killed all the enemies and you like, you feel like, all right, that this is what I want to get out of this game. Or is it more you're competing against other people's times? Like what's so it does. It does both. Um, which is another thing I think it does really well. So each level has like a metal system. They call it insight because this game's weird, which is why I like it. Um, (laughs) but basically like if you complete the level, you get a bronze. I think, I think you're guaranteed a bronze. I don't know. Maybe I'm just always fast, but you get a bronze, (laughs) right? And it's like, okay, you get like a small reward. There's now a present that you can find the level, which you give to people for the stupid JRPG bullshit that comes later, which I also (laughs) love. Um, and then (laughs) if you get a silver medal, It'll show you a ghost of your best time, so you can kind of race against yourself to try to improve your time. Okay. And then if you get a gold level, and all of these are, like, specific time goals, and then when you reach gold level, it'll give you a hint. So it'll be like, hey, you know how the path it wants you to take is, like, you go up and you go through this greenhouse, and then you come down these stairs, and then you come out again? Well, if you go left here, actually, you can hop down and skip that whole greenhouse and shave off, like, ten seconds. So oh. it basically nudges you like, hey, this is actually better. And then once you get, open quotes, the fastest time, you know, once you hit the highest time they have programmed in, you get a ace medal, I think is what it's called. And that's, that's like the highest that's level right. the level gives you. 
Okay. I I do not remember hints at all. I'm gonna really? be honest oh, yeah. with you. Yeah, hints are in there. Oh yeah, hints yeah, are. Yeah, no, it um. Huh. To be fair, they're it... super easy to miss. It's just like a floating translucent Damn. hand. Ah, uh, okay. Like in the level. Yeah, yeah I never. I never went for those. Yeah, it's usually like <laughs> some sort of speedrunner skip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For the level. And then after you do that, you start seeing all your friends' times, and you're like, well, I could beat that. And Actually, that's you see your friends' Chad times and... the whole time. It's You unlock the global leaderboard after you get mm, the top yeah. one. Uh, okay. Which I don't care about at all, but when I was right. playing it a bit against Owen and Chad, I was trying to hit their times a little bit here and there. And then I gave up because I was like, that's too much effort. Yes, yeah, <laughs> I just, I just want to get medals, I guess. I don't need to beat them. It's yeah, okay. I was... I was disappointed because I guess I played further than you had played, Alex, because my goal was usually oh, yeah, just yeah. to beat your time. Oh, great. Because <laughs> I, I could beat your time. Excellent. Owen and Chad's times, I usually couldn't. But yours, I could consistently beat. And then I got further than you, and I was like, well, shit. Well, now, now I need to go just back have to through. be last every time. Uh, I need to go back through and beat all your times. Ugh. I mean, I, like, in your defense, I did look up after doing it time and time and time again and seeing like the leaderboards and stuff like that i looked up like the best way to do it and mm-hmm. i saw if i could like execute that and so that was the joy that i had out of the game was actually sure. doing the speed running um which i think caleb and i had a conversation about this one time and that's like not what he enjoys about the game <laughs> correct very correct so. yeah I'm, I'm never a fan of the leaderboard based stuff in games it's just not my jam there's a couple of them that got like top fifty. So, wow, dang, yeah, that's crazy. Uh, but yeah, no, it's really good. Um, I guess just briefly, I'll talk about the part that's not the gameplay. <laughs> There's like a whole, basically, a visual novel section, and you know, I'm like a weird weeb when it comes to that shit. So, like, I ate that up. <laughs> the right, everyone's super edgy and super terrible, and I just, I really love it. They're just the worst, and one of the characters is voiced by Pro ZD. Which is great. He's like a Vine. He was really big on Vine, and now he's a voice actor. Mm-hmm. And I, I just I thought it was so fun to hear him voice a character in this stupid, edgy game. Uh, so that was really, really fun for me. Uh, and then the last game I have on here is Immortality. Mm. I don't think mm. no one else has played this, right? I have not yet. You have. Oh, Aaron yes. and I have both played at least some of it. Oh, okay. I've, I've played like Probably five hours of it. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, it depends on who you ask. If you ask me, it's five hours. If you ask my Steam Deck, it's 132.4 hours. <laughs> what? <laughs> so, that's a bit of a difference. Yeah, just ever so slight. Uh, you really like that game, huh? Yeah, shit. I freaking love it. Because I think like time to beat on that game is like, what, six, eight hours or something like that? Yeah, I have, I have 8.4, and I think I stopped playing as soon as I hit the ending. Okay. Mm, uh, so there's an is... ending. Cool. Yes, mm. there is an ending, which is something I wondered about for a while. Oh, it's worth noting it is on Xbox Game Pass. Did you? Yeah, oh, that's where I'm playing it. Okay, I know you. You wondered about the ending, which we have as well. Did you wonder about the point for a while? Yes. <laughs> okay. It is. It is a very unique experience. Um, I don't even know if game is the right word because gameplay-wise, you're just looking through video files. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. That's pretty much it. Uh, so basically, you're there's three movies, and you're watching the footage from them. But kind of the interesting part, the open quotes gameplay part, is they're not the clips aren't in order. 
the way it works is you watch one clip, which is like one scene from action to cut, uh, and then you can click on something within that scene, and it'll do a match cut to a similar object in a different scene. But that scene could be anywhere chronologically, in any movie, just anywhere. So, like, you're watching, you'll be like, oh, I'm going to click on this actor. And it'll go to that actor in a completely different scene at a completely different time, possibly in a different movie. Correct. Yep. Yep. So, at least at first, you're basically trying to put together these three movies and figure out basically kind of the plot. But then something happens. And there's sort of an extra layer in there. I'm not going to get too much into it because I think it's really cool to discover for yourself. But there's another layer to this game that's really interesting and had me watching theory videos for like hours (laughs) after the fact. Wow. I've heard to get into that, you should play with a controller. I think Mm. controller would help. I played keyboard and mouse because I didn't realize there was a benefit to using controller. So definitely playable with keyboard and mouse. Uh, I will but say I that played, controller's better. I played on the Steam Deck um, exclusively. And for 100 hours. For 132.4 <laughs> hours. Uh, awesome. Yeah, you know, it was great. I just loved it. I kept repeating it. Um, but I will say, yes, I think it needs to be played with controller. I didn't even play with keyboard and mouse. But having the ability to just slightly tilt the stick or flick the stick. I mean, there's just like mm, mechanics stick, in, huh? in game. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's all about like haptics and stuff yes. associated with it too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There is what I will say is for keyboard and mouse, there is an audio cue, whereas your controller will vibrate. And one of those is really obvious. <laughs> one of those is yeah. not that obvious. Yeah, um, I played it, with keyboard and mouse at first and then switched to controller at some point. Do you only get vibration on the on the controller? You don't get the audio cue? I bet you'd, I bet you get, you get both. You get audio also. Okay, I was going to say, because I thought I got both when I was playing on the Steam Deck, so I was yeah. confused at your, your comment. I got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It's just, with keyboard and mouse, you don't get any haptics, so you just have that audio, and if you're not, if you don't know what that audio cue means, you're going to miss it a lot for mm-hmm. a while. Mm-hmm. 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 I switched it- from keyboard and mouse to controller because I felt like... I was using mouse mostly, first of all, and I, mm-hmm. I liked Same. the idea of like dragging the clips to to like change Rewind their and fast yeah. Forward. yeah. But I felt like it was backwards to me. Uh, yeah. No, I'll agree. I I got used to it eventually, but yeah. it took me a while to not fast forward when I meant to rewind and rewind right. when I tried to fast forward. So that's what got me to switch to controller, and then when I was on controller, I realized the haptic stuff was going on too. So. That was yeah. interesting. I'm still, I'm only like, I'm probably like three hours in or something. And I've like, no, I, I don't really know what the point is. And it seems <laughs> very like, uh, pompous or like artsy. Sure. Yeah. Artsy is probably the word I would use. Yeah. And yeah, like, there's a lot of not... stuff that feels like it's not meant to be <laughs> interpreted literally. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I want to say on this? Yeah. Aaron. Yeah, he wants to call me out for what I called it earlier when we were just talking, yeah, me and him. He was like, this oh. freaking game is so up its own butt. I don't understand. <laughs> it does seem like that. I don't no, know. I, I think that is an absolutely fair thing to say about it. 
So but is it's it also... worth wrap? Like, is it worth wrapping this game up? I, Completing it I'm... for people. Like, go ahead. So. I really enjoyed looking through all the theory videos after the fact. I will say I was a little disappointed that I did not. The game ends and you don't have all the clips yet. So when the game ended, I went, oh, I probably have enough now to just go watch those theory videos. And then I watched those theory videos and I was like, probably should have gotten all the clips before I watched this. Probably should have just kept going. Um, so that was a little disappointing for me. I would say I think you guys are far enough in that you kind of get the get the gist of what's going on with it. Uh, if you're not enjoying it, don't. It's not you know it's not like it's going to change drastically. Change. You know if you if you've gotten far enough that you know what the game's going to be like, then like you know stop. I guess if you don't like it. <laughs> uh, but I I just I it just got. I, I was so curious about it, and I really enjoyed trying to put together the like the disparate pieces, both of like the movie narratives and then of that other kind of like hidden layer mm -hmm. uh, that I was really into it. And every time I put it down, I sat down to play something new. It was always what I came back to. Uh, so I, I really enjoyed it. Cool. Uh, Alex, let's move on to you. Yeah. So. Frank was on here a while back talking about World War Tales. It's a tactical turn-based RPG, I guess. It's medieval times. Um, and it's got like an overworld mechanic, uh, kind of similar to if anybody's ever played Mountain Blade, which is probably another thing that only Frank has played here. <laughs> um, but they put out the co-op update for that, so I picked it up and I've been playing it with him. Um no, we talked about it before, but I just wanted to give my two cents on the co-op. It's a little weird, I think. Uh, for one, you assign characters to each player, which seems normal. Uh, and then you can kind of roam around the overworld separately as you please. But anytime you try to interact with anything, you have to be together. So really, oh. you can't roam around separately. So you kind of just have to follow each other. It's kind of weird in that way. And then like during combat... It the combat um what is it initiative order is open ended so the way it works normally is like it just gives you where each of the enemies is going to go in the initiative order and then it gives you spots for your allies to go and you can make any of those care any of your characters go in those spots so like it's not like a set order for your team. Uh, which means in co-op, you just decide willy-nilly who's taking a turn now. Huh. And it, it gets a little awkward because it'll be like, we're sitting there, we're not, we're not really sure who should go where, and then all of a sudden Frank's like, oh, I think I should put my gut, and then I've already clicked to move on a person because we're <laughs> not really doing anything, and it's like, oh, okay, never mind, I guess that guy's going now, because as soon as you start doing an action with a character, it's like it assigns that character the slot and it's that guy's turn now. Oh and then you God. have to you have to like play out that character's turn. That so. sounds really annoying. <laughs> it's a little weird. Uh I think we're getting used to it and we it just forces you to like discuss a lot more before you touch anything to make sure you're doing what you guys think you should be doing. It's just like it makes it it, it makes it harder to plan out your turn. Because right. part of the benefit, right, to a co-op game is while I'm thinking about where I want to go, you can think about where you want to go. 
So yeah. then I take my turn and you can take your turn right away because you've been thinking about it this whole time. Because here it's like every single time something happens, you gotta like you gotta be thinking, oh, should I go now or am I gonna go in a minute? Right. Yeah, so you have to look at like Alright, I've got this character over here. He's fighting this one guy, this one enemy. That enemy goes at this point in the initiative track, so I probably want him to go at one of these three spots before it hits that point in the initiative track. And then, like, what is the best way to use those three slots now, making sure he gets to go before... I don't know. It's a little complicated, but also, it's been kind of fun. I don't know. How's managing the group? Managing the group is... um, it's it's interesting. It's so they don't limit how many people you can have in your party, but you have to be able to maintain wages and food for them. Otherwise, they'll get mad and leave or die or something. I don't know. Um so right now we have like six people. It's three for each of us. But we could pick up more and you just have to make sure you're taking enough quests to get paid enough to be able to pay out those people every, you know, I think it's like once a month or something like that. You have to pay out wages and make sure you're maintaining enough food, which hasn't seemed like that difficult to do once we got rolling. Uh, And it adds just like a little flavor, I think, to uh, being like you're just like a roving band of mercenaries going around this world doing random stuff. Like we... Uh, found some like refugees and and like one time we rescued them and uh, one of them was like on the run from the guards and so he was in our group for a while and the guards kept on attacking us because of that mm. and um, we eventually got him a job and like a new identity which is kind of <laughs> cool and then another time a roving band of refugees attacked us without saying anything and oh. then after we defeated them, uh, there was a couple stragglers that begged for their lives, and we just executed them. It was wow, what the fuck? <laughs> brutal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Y'all are uh, mean. Yeah, so you is can kind of like play your own way, or your own path. Is there an overarching story? Or is there just... is. So I think the way it works is like each area of the map has like quest pro or like story progress of some kind. And they're like, you they're identified on the map as like purple objectives. And each time you like reach the end of one of those little arcs, you get like progress toward on this meter. And I think eventually that meter will fill and then a a new area will open up. Um, but like you it leaves it very open to kind of do whatever you want to do with those things like there were uh guards versus refugees one there's a lot of refugee stuff right now for some reason but there was guards versus refugees and you can kind of choose which side you're going on there and then there was like a leader of militia that was held up in this cave and somebody told us we needed to go take him out for some reason and we were like, sure, and we went there, and then he explained his side of the story and was like, you should actually, like, not kill me and, you know, like, go kill them instead, and then, like, you can make those decisions. <laughs> and you're like, oh, yeah, good fun. point. Good point, guy in cave. <laughs> Give us all your salt, please, so I can <laughs> make wolf jerky or whatever. Yum. Um. Yeah. 
I mean, it is like little side stuff like that, like you're cooking in camp and uh, you can steal things from people and launder them with a thief. It's got like a bunch of kind of systems that interact, which is which is pretty cool, I think. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I just had a little bit of an issue with how the co-op was laid out, but it does seem odd. It's functional initiative system, at least. Um, yeah, and then in other co-op news, Caleb and I finally tried the roguelike mode in Children of Morta, which has been in the game for a while. Mm-hmm. They added it after we finished the story mode, and we just hadn't ever gone back to it. And it seems, like, really competent. Yeah. Um, it seems very robust. There's so many items. So many things, new, like, new upgrades. Yeah, to it could like basically characters. be its own game, I think. Yeah. And it was just like a free update that they added. That's awesome. But yeah, it's and like an entire separate... Yeah, a blast of fun. It is. Can't Put it confirm. on the box, baby. It's a blast to play. Blast of yeah. fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's an entirely separate mode. It's got new unlocks to go for. Um, new systems for how items work in some case to to adapt them better to a roguelike system. Mm-hmm. And, and it, uh, it does I mean, adapt the main gameplay really well. I think. Yeah, to it, it uses the different like dungeon tile sets from the story to to like randomly generate stuff for you. You lose like the cool narrator and like the touching story moments, but. Once that's that game, all finished and you just want to play more of it, it's it's really good. That game does have really good stories, so playing the story first is absolutely worth. I think you have to play some of the story to unlock the roguelike mode anyway. Yeah, it's called uh, Family Trials, right? Yeah, that's what the roguelike's called. Yeah. Plus there's two new characters that weren't in the game when we last played it. True. Um, One of them's awesome. <laughs> One of them's weird. So so one of them's like a spirit dude that has two different modes that you can swap between. So he's like, you know, the first tempo character of the game, I guess you could say. Wow. Referencing Mermatra. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, and he didn't he didn't seem that fun to play, I don't think. He didn't, no. He basically just lacks uh, almost an ult move. Because that's now his change form move. Yeah. Which is, eh. And the other girl has, like, wide, like, really good range melee attacks, which are a lot, a lot of fun. Yeah, she's got huge range and, and CC with the range. Crazy. So, good stuff. Um, I mentioned Ramatra. I didn't put it on here, but I've been playing a lot of Overwatch. is a lot of fun. Oh, if it's not on the list, you can't talk about it. I just, uh, just want to say, playing a lot of Ramatra every time I get tank, super fun character to play. Is is his non fist boy form fun? Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. I wasn't. He... Admittedly, I've not played much since he came out, but my impression was that people basically hung out until they could be fist boy, and then they would go fist boy. Yeah. So when they first released him, he was kind of really bad but they've buffed him since then classic um and i think it's a lot like both of his forms are really fun now he does still have like a 
Like, I think that's what they mean by tempo tank is like when you're in small boy form, you kind of like bunker up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then when you're in big boy form, you go, you go punch people in the face. So can you still not see his weapons projectiles from the side? Cause that annoys the crap out of me. Hmm. I don't when know. he first released, at least when I played and he was like shooting around a corner and you peeked around, you just couldn't see the projectiles until you were in them, getting hit by them. Hilarious. Really annoying. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just like his um his gameplay flow, I think. Because you you basically go through like uh, a, a loop where you can put down the shield, and then when the shield's done, you can like throw out your little slow aura, which will mess up some dudes for a bit. And then after that, you can go into punch mode, and then by the time you come out of punch mode, your shield's back up. So you kind of just loop through your abilities. Sure. And also he has like a cool mechanic where when he goes into punch boy mode, he gets uh, bonus armor. Mm. And so you can like stack that with your ult. So like I like to run in big boy mode, use up my armor, uh, and then like intentionally go back to little boy mode. And then instantly ult and get your armor back. Uh, and sure. it like it like trips people up a lot all the time. It's, mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun. Uh and the last thing I played was Flame Break, which is like a really old roguelike. But I was talking to Caleb the other day about like the idea of MOBA roguelikes, and this is one that I found. It's not co-op, which is another pillar of what I was talking about. <laughs> but it's basically MOBA combat in a roguelike form except for you move with WASD which is a little weird but you have like you have four abilities you, it's a top down movement system um a lot of the abilities have like dashes or teleports and then you got nukes or stuns uh and you stack like armor sets that give you bonuses and you move across a map that's you know a roguelike map where you choose nodes and different events will happen at the nodes. It's been, the pre- it's been pretty fun. Seems almost like a night squad or something. Yeah. It's uh it's it's pretty simple looking. I think the gameplay and the systems make up for it. Hmm. Um I'm not very good at it so far. It seems pretty tough, but What's... a lot of people talk about like you gain a lot of experience pretty quick and you'll start putting together like what, what upgrades go well with each other mm-hmm. and start doing like crazy combos, which I look forward to. Plus it's got like, it, it's like a MOBA, right? And you're not very good at those. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> <Just kinda> generally. <laughs> that is true. Vicious. But yeah, you've got, I mean, you start a run and it gives you like a couple of different race options and all the races have like an inherent ability and stats. And then it gives you like random uh, abilities to go with those. And you kind of have to just work with those during the run. So it's pretty fun. Cool. Super old. 2016. That's not super old. Get out of super here. Super old, dude. Pretty old. So old. <laughs> uh, Caleb, let's move on to you. Uh, like Jacob, I've been playing a bunch of games that people have been raving about online, trying to make sure I don't miss anything. 
game of the year. Yep, you played Hard West 2? I did, actually. Yeah. I wasn't going to talk much about it because uh, we kind of covered it before. Yeah, I know. It's fun. I, I still get frustrated by the 97% hit chance and miss. And For the yeah. record, I, all, I did also play Hard West 2. Oh, did you? I Technically, it was just the beta, but then... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's okay. just the beginning of the regular game. It is, yep. So I, I was like, okay, you know what? That's I'm counting that. <laughs> <laughs> yep, okay. Got it. Cool, 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 cool. But other ones I've been playing. Uh, I picked up Pentiment, or rather, I played it on Xbox Game Pass. Um, was this was this the one that was on the besties? Yes. Yeah. The word That's game. Pretty much why I picked it. The word game. That's Not really they a talked word about it game. being boring or something. Sorry, it's wordy. Go on. Oh my gosh, it's wordy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's a lot in the same vein of like a Citizen Sleeper, except in this one you're playing in medieval England, and everything is written like people wrote then, like very nice calligraphy script and it's sometimes annoying to read you you can luckily turn that off if you get annoyed by it too much uh but you're just exploring this town and for a very long time you explore and nothing happens and then finally there's a crime that is committed let's just say a murder it's not really a spoiler uh a murder is committed and then you are trying to figure out who did it in order to save someone who is implicated in it, who's your friend. And from what I hear, that's only the first third of the game. Mm. I played all of that and decided I didn't like it enough to continue. Mm. Mostly because I think the characters are uh, very uninteresting and oftentimes really hard to tell apart because of the mm. art style. Wow. Uh, the story is it's fine up through the first third. It's kind of whatever. Did you know Obsidian made this? Yeah. That's Wild, crazy. Right? Yeah, it Weird. doesn't seem like something they would make at all. No, it does not. This also looks like the reason I thought I wouldn't like Citizen Sleeper. Because mm. games like this tend to be like this. Yeah. Kind of boring and hard to get through. It is very much that, I think. Some people, I mean, like I said, some people really freaking love it. And I, I hear it's some it's one where the choices actually do matter pretty heavily throughout the story. Uh, I did end up looking up story beats and info about all that happens in it. And I, from reading it, I don't think I would have enjoyed playing it through to the end. Mm. So, kind of glad I stopped. Played probably a couple hours of it. Three hours maybe to get through. First. Third. Okay. Yeah. But not not amazing. Shame. Uh, yeah. Then I picked up a game called Control Alt Ego. I picked this up because people were it's an immersive sim and people were talking about it being the best immersive sim since Prey, which I loved. Oh. So picked it up. You play as a consciousness and you take over <laughs> machines and robots, and you're constantly jumping from different devices that have maybe different mechanics, like uh, you can jump to a little puppy robot that can just run around and deliver discs to you, or you can jump to a camera that can turn set off an alarm if for some reason you wanted to set off an alarm on yourself. 
Wow, that does sound useful. Yeah. Yeah, that one's not great. <laughs> um, but it really does let you play it your own way. There's a, a whole bunch of upgrades uh, that you can select from. So you can get like a shotgun. So you can just go in guns blazing. Or you can get uh, more what's called ego generation, which uh, ego is what allows you to hack into other devices, especially hostile devices. They usually cost quite a bit of ego. So there's a whole variety of ways to kind of to kind of play with it. And so far, I've been having a lot of fun. The second mission, I think, especially really opens up options for how you can move around the level and complete it. It's just uh, super cool. So if you if you like immersive sims, definitely try it. Cool. Right on. Uh, then I played Stacklands. This game, I saw Abe playing this, and I was like, mm. "Ooh, what's that?" Wait, so uh, you play every game that Abe plays? No, mm-hmm. I don't. Oh, I, was, I, I don't play. Uh, I was really excited. You were about to play what the what, cycle. What's Whatever it called? the cycling tactics game is. Yes. <laughs> no, I don't play that. He plays a cycle, like biking, cycling. He plays a tactics-based like race management game for cycling. Is it Pro Cycling Manager 2022? It might be. That's a, that's it's, a no, new that's one. A new cycling game he plays. Oh, he plays an the, old one. The new the Pro Cycling Manager has been his new thing lately, but there was one before that. Oh, Chad posted Chad the, it, cyclist the Cyclist Tactics. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> I don't know where you found that game. The Cyclist uh, colon Tactics. Wow, this but, is a lot of charts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's well, similar to XCOM 2. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I saw that, and I, I, I saw him playing Stacklands, and I looked at that, and I got intrigued. So I picked it up. And this is, uh, weirdly, a crafting game that I got into, which is rare. Uh, huh. Essentially, you play on a board of cards. Everything is cards. So at first, you get, like, a stone and a tree and a villager. And you can pop the villager on the stone to have him mine it, get some rocks. You can pop him on the tree to have him cut it down and get some wood and then you can combine like a wood and a rock and you get like a pickaxe so you can mine rocks faster and stuff like that and the whole time you're just building up this village essentially and occasionally a portal will open and send bad guys at you so you want to build up some like swords and shields and stuff and you gotta send your little villagers to fight off the enemies and eventually you can travel through the portal. Actually, I think you can the very first portal, but it's a big mistake. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. And you can go to like the dark forest and try to fight the evil witch. And the, the kind of whole goal is to kill the witch in the end. Uh, but eventually you, you can build a rowboat once you learn the recipe for it and travel to a different land and start a second village where you have different resources. And eventually you'll be able to transport resources from one to the other and start building more and more items and, and, making your village more and more prosperous so that you can eventually kill the witch. And it is just a lot of fun because you can accidentally find recipes just by stacking cards up and then they suddenly start a loading bar to show when the recipe is going to complete. But you can also buy card packs, which uh, cost just coins and you can sell most cards for a variety of number of coins. But once you get a pack, you pop it open, and it'll have ideas, which are essentially just recipes. 
so it'll it'll store those and you kind of progress through more more and more expensive packs that get more and more advanced with recipes it has a really good progression system i think interesting it almost and th- this is probably a bad comparison it almost looks like doodle god combined <laughs> with like um oh, i'm going to blank on its name now uh got to touch doodle god that's for sure yeah yeah it's just the idea of combining various elements to get new cards mm-hmm. feels very doodle goddy yeah there's definitely there's definitely that aspect to it uh but it's pretty it's pretty neat i was enjoying it uh the last one is uh i was a teenage exocolonist what a name mm-hmm. uh Again, kind of in the same vein of these, a lot of games that have been coming out, like Pentiment and Citizen Sleeper, very story-heavy RPGs. You play as, would you believe it, not a teenage exocolonist. You start out as 10. What? You start out at 10. So not not a teen, oh. not a teen technically. Completely messed it up. Lies. Zero out of 10. <laughs> uh, but you play from the age of 10 to the age of 20 as a kid who just arrived on a new colony on a strange planet. And you play month by month. Each month you select an activity to do for that month, whether it's going to be studying engineering or helping your family with the geoponics farm or exploring the world outside the camp. And that determines what stats you'll generate for your character for that month. And after you spend enough time doing activities, you're going to need to rest and get your stress back because every activity causes some stress. And every year, there's a kind of 13th month almost uh, called Glow, where everything looks really cool, but an event always occurs every Glow. And and some of them have been pretty intense and pretty interesting story-wise. So is it, and again, I don't know if this is a fair comparison, it almost sounds like Long Live the Queen. Do you remember that game? A little bit. A it little is bit. A little, it is a little Long Live the queen Just doing a bunch of bullshit activities to raise your stats, and then something big happens, and you find out if you bought the right stats. It mm. doesn't have that issue as much, where you can suddenly die because you just aren't good enough. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't really fair. happen. Uh, also, each time you pick an activity, I didn't really explain this part, but uh, there is a there's a deck building mechanic to it. Oh, of course, and should have known. The cards represent memories that you have made. So when like big events happen, you can make new memories and gain new cards uh, in order to make your deck better. And when you rest, you can forget some old memories, so that you can like forget the first time you walked or something, so that you can <sighs> get rid of that crappy old card. Wow, that's right, hold on. <laughs> kind of horrific. Wait, if you forget the first time you walked, do you just forget walking, period? No, you just forget the memory of that first time you took your first mm, steps. Okay. You know? Then I guess yeah. I don't remember my first it's steps. Commentary so. right, on I don't life. remember mine. Yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah. No, the, so far the story is actually really deep and really interesting. I'm having a lot of fun with it. And it, it very much plays to you being a kid. Like there's a whole bunch of stuff happening with the adults that it just doesn't really tell you. It only hints at it occasionally. 
Mm -hmm. And you're trying to kind of gather that as a kid in this world. And I think it just does a really good job of that. Uh, Chad, let's move on to you. Yeah, my list may look long, but it's I'll be short. Um, <laughs> I had the pleasure of playing a Steam Deck for a couple days because I was visiting the in-laws and traveling and such. So uh wasn't in Kansas, was in Virginia. So I was able to kind of just browse around and play some of those games. So Journey is one of them that I picked up and played, which is old-ish. Uh, I forget when Journey, Journey first... Huh? Yeah, I forget when that first came out, um, but it released on Steam in 2022. Uh, initial release was 2012. Um, wow, pretty old. So yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's an older game, uh, but w- what was really cool about it is, um, for those who, who don't know the game, uh, you have a pseudo multiplayer that's that's evolved. Uh, so basically, at any time during the game, um, you can come across another player, and you the only way you can... Uh, interact with each other is the little uh, wine pulses or like the screech pulse that you, you know little chirps or whatever that you you make uh, by holding down uh, a certain button um, and that certain button also allows you to activate things around you that are uh, scarf material and the whole thing is uh, to, to make your scarf bigger throughout the journey and also just look around at the beautiful sights um, so it's, uh, it's pretty cool guys haven't played it uh there are still people playing it it seems and uh it was on sale so that's why i picked it up nice. um it's like five bucks or something like that sure i'm uh, a surprised influx of players when it released on steam that's yeah true i'm, yeah, I'm yep. surprised the multiplayer is active at all yeah no i so like throughout the whole game i had this one person with me just kind of trucking along didn't get the achievement though because right at the end they decided to stop playing Wow, rude. Uh, Is there an achievement for playing it through with one person specifically? Yeah, there's like a Mm. get to the end of the game while playing the majority of the game with that one player or something like Mm. that. But Mm. uh, in the credit section, it showed me three different players. Um, So I I met three different people. So that was kind of cool. The music is amazing in it, and the atmosphere is -hmm. just really good. and it's honestly just a relaxing, chill journey. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that game kicks ass. Yeah, that's great. Uh, so moving on, before I left to go, uh, you know, winter break, holiday, etc., uh, I got High on Life and then was informed that it's on the Game Pass, so I then refunded High on Life and played <laughs> it on the Game Pass. <laughs> nice. Um, that game is, if you don't like Rick and Morty, you're, you're going to hate the game. It's literally yeah, just a sense. Rick and Morty episode for hours. That's that's what mm. it is. Uh, I got through like the first boss, which is interesting to have a boss in this type of game because it just seems to me like it's just a joke on itself. But then there's like actual like unfighting combat in it, and then there's like a a knife that you get eventually, and that thing like you can grapple people to you and stuff. It's a weird, mm. it's a weird game, and. Right before I got off the game, uh, you get back to your house, and there is a TV, and the TV starts playing a movie, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking, like, they just got some B-list actors to just, you know, shoot this, like, 15-minute movie or something like that, so where you could just, like, if you wanted to, sit there and, and watch it. Turns out, no, it wasn't B-list actors, it was just a very young actor's 
uh, in Tammy and the T-Rex. So it was like Paul Walker and um, I, f- I don't know who the chick is, but it's literally a movie from like either the 80s or 90s, somewhere around there. Huh. Um, and I watched like the whole 40 minutes that it, sh- that it showed. Wow. And I, w- <laughs> I probably shouldn't have, but, you know, I just sat there like, when is this going to end? I've, I've invested too much time. I got to continue. Yeah, Meanwhile, there's, the, there's a guy standing behind you like, hey, I'm not going to fix this blah, blah, blah for you if you don't go and do X, Y, Z. And so, but you're like, but I'm watching this movie like you are. Yeah, dude. 5.3 on Rotten Tomatoes. Or, uh, sorry, on IMDb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tammy and the T-Rex. Who's the, mm-hmm. who's the two leads? It's Paul Walker. Denise Richards? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> this movie sounds terrible. It's teen <laughs> learns that a, a scientist implanted her dead boyfriend's brain into an animatronic dinosaur. Oh yeah, that's it's, it's real bad. But what, what? Which which part sounds bad though? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, high on life. Uh, the humor and stuff from like the Rick and Morty side, I enjoy. So uh, going through it, I had a couple laughs from different different sections. There's some some times where you come across like children or something and you try to shoot them and the gun's like hey uh we're, we're, we can't kill kids uh you shouldn't do that and then you just you just try to shoot at everybody and your gun's just like hey can you stop trying to kill everybody please so, fun. Nice. Fun is the actual gameplay like fun i i have enjoyed <laughs> generic shooter the gameplay i okay. turned it i think i'm on the hardest difficulty and it doesn't seem all that hard hmm uh, the boss was interesting. It it felt like uh, it tried to put in some like I I don't know the games we've been playing recently like God of War, Elden Ring, etc. Like those boss mechanics in into you know you have to stay off the floor for a certain amount of time. Um, you have to like shoot specific location. Like it's it was interesting. Mm-hmm. I I am having fun with with that um gameplay. So there's also like puzzles and stuff you got to solve throughout. So. I think it's if you have it on Game Pass, like I, I think it's a nice yep. just kind of launch and get a get a chuckle here and there. Does I don't the, know if um, you guys play Trover and you know. Trover's yeah, I, cool. I played Trover. Do, does the comedy get sort of tiresome? I, I mean, I only played like two hours, maybe. So okay. I couldn't. I couldn't I, say yes. My, my concern was like if your gun's talking the whole time, and they're like, "Oh, the gun's got to be funny." So it's just constantly trying to be funny. I feel like that could grate after a while. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, the reason I got it is because, I mean, TikTok was bombarding with it with me at one point, and so I was just like, fine, I'll try this game. Uh, there's a couple things that I saw in it that were actually kind of hilarious. So, sure. Uh, and I'm I'm hoping that it's kind of that style where, um, it doesn't crack the jokes twenty four seven, but like the right. ones that they do are like they actually land kind of like the Rick good and Morty. Ones. Yeah. yeah, sure. Okay, I think I think they would do a good job at it. I mean, from the two hours that I played, I haven't gotten sick of the gun yet. So, <laughs> well, I mean that bodes well. Yeah. So moving on, uh, something I picked up for the Steam Deck was Crash Bandicoot Four. It's about time. Realized that uh, like I was going through the pause menu to like see about like um. The, the the audio or whatever just just because you know I was in an airport and I didn't have my headphones in and I wanted to make sure that I could for the game but not maybe be too loud with like the music and stuff like that but while I was in there um I saw there was a pass and play which is actually kind of interesting 
and you can <clears throat> you can set it up in like various different ways. And so what Caitlin and I did was at first, um, every death you passed, and so uh, actually was it every? I think it was every checkpoint. Yeah, every checkpoint <clears throat> you you pass the controller. Um, and there was like quite a few checkpoints. If you play, ever played a crash game, you know you come to a box that has a C on it, open it up, you're at a checkpoint. Uh, I later found that you could do checkpoints and death. Uh, and Caitlin was passing it to me after she couldn't get through a portion uh, after she died a couple times. And I was like, well, if I did this, then after she died, she could just hand it to me and not have to feel like, oh, well, I'm giving up. Sure. Uh, so we did death and checkpoint and we played through uh, a little bit. That game's pretty fun. Uh, the boss was also super interesting with the pass and play. Mm. Um, you, it's There's like three different stages you have to go through with bosses. Of course, you know, all games have that. Um so like the first stage was like easy, uh, you you like stun the boss somehow with like the projectiles he's tossing at you, and then you run up and like bounce on him. Right after you bounce on him, it pauses the game, tells you to pass the controller. Now the second phase is the second player, and then that's the same for the third. So every time you like chunk the health, pass the controller to the next person. Mm. And on top of that, you could also do up to four players. Oh so, wow. It's a, it's One a cool, person doesn't cool get to play against the boss, huh? <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, suck it. Uh, so another thing that I picked up on Steam Deck, which is interesting that I picked it up on Steam Deck, uh, is God of War 2018. Mm-hmm. Because they had it on Steam, I picked it up on the Steam Deck and um, had my Steam Deck pretty much plugged in the entire time I was playing this because it <laughs> sucked the battery out. Uh Picked that up on like the twenty seventh of December, and like a beat. Like the last time I played it is the thirty first, and I beat the game, beat all the Valkyries, and am now moving on to God of War Ragnarok. Jeez. Can, <laughs> can we just talk about Five God of War twenty eighteen real quick? Yeah, sure. Like, I, I want to know, sure. like you, you now have played God of War Ragnarok, and you, like you, like me, have played God of War twenty eighteen in close proximity to you playing mm-hmm. Ragnarok. Like, what do you think about the difference in the two games? Like, just generically. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to get super specific. I find that they, they had, like, okay, so if I look at God of War 2018, super successful. Uh, I really like the combat. Um, the story was good. I know we joke about walking up a hill, walking back down the hill, but, like, there's more <laughs> to that. Uh, the side stuff was really interesting. The Valkyries were really cool to fight. Um, I felt like the combos you could do were really cool. Uh, the finishers were really cool. So like when you hit R3, um, once you get them like stunned or whatever. And then I came over to Ragnarok and like, it was super fresh. Like 2018 was super fresh. Cause like I had played it, like I yep. said, the 31st and I started, um, Ragnarok like maybe two weeks ago, a week ago, something like that. Um, I had to get used to the fact that they built on top of the combat quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of it, to me, personally, I find quite annoying, but I'm getting through it. Um, such as, for instance, if you parry, Ugh. you you can't just attack because mm-hmm. now they have a chain coming at you. So it's like they, they have a combo that they already have preset, and if you parry the first time, it doesn't stun them. So you have to parry again, then parry again, then parry again. And then finally, there's an opening for you to attack. So it's like they took God of War 2018. It was like, how do we build upon this? And then they put that into it. And it's just like, why? Why did you have to? Like any other game that I've ever played where there's a parry, 
I have an opening now after I hit that parry. I timed it correctly. I timed it right. I get rewarded. Now I have to time it four times right or three times right. Uh, and then there's also another system where it's like the red circle of like, all right, you can't block this attack. Uh, this one, honestly, is more of a get good for me. Um, and I actually do enjoy the, the mechanics here. In the first game, you could just back roll constantly and get out of all damage. Uh, in Ragnarok, you have to dodge to the side sometimes. Um, so you have to like know that, all right, this is the combo where he's going to uh, literally fly across the map at me and slam down either the pole arm, his fit, whatever. But if I dodge to the side, I can actually get out of this. And so I think that's a cool mechanic that they added. Um, but I, I feel like the combat is uh, more punishing in Ragnarok compared to 2018. Did you play 2018 on the hardest difficulty? I, I think I was one under. Okay. Yeah, I, I definitely didn't play 2018 on the hardest, and I'm playing Ragnarok on hardest. Yeah. Um, I think my only... I love Ragnarok. By the way, that was the only thing I'm going to talk about in my gaming list, so we're just going <laughs> to combine Chad and I at this point. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I, I love this game. I'm about 35 hours in, I think. Um, I think it's spectacular. I think the story writing is amazing. I think the visuals are still great. The... Just the, li the 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 lines that they came up with and the interaction between the characters is what I loved about 2018, and I think they just capitalized on that and continue doing it here. The one thing I'll say about um, the combat portion of this is I think the complexity by moving the level up, I don't really feel like the combat itself, like the actual technical aspect of combat, is harder. I think what's what they made harder is just everybody feels like an axe sponge, essentially. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. That's not it's not a bad thing because I'm I'm sure it is very difficult to ramp up or scale up the way that combat techniques happen if you want to change difficulty. Like, you know, increasing the enemy count or changing the the tempo at which enemies strike. Those things could be changed, but that's also a lot harder than just, all right, well, let's just buff this guy's health and make it more you know, make him take ha more hits. Have you had moments where you've decided, all right, I'm going to lose this combat, so might as well just give up now, and you've just stood there, and all the enemies around you just stare at you? <laughs> <laughs> I definitely yeah. had that happen. I, I've, I noticed that, like, if you're not moving, enemies kind of don't move. So they don't know how to interact with you. Yeah, it's kind of funny, because, like, there's a couple times where I'm, like, one hit, no health around me, and I know for a fact there's going to be another wave that happens because, you know, I've already done this fight a couple times. And so I just stand still just waiting for somebody to attack me. And I'm like, dude, dude, guys, you were you were all over me two seconds ago. Please just hit me. I think the to sort of capitalize on this combat thing, I think um, boss fights, super cool. Oh, my gosh. Very hard so just because they take so long on the hardest level of hardest difficulty. Oh, yeah. Because it's just freaking sponge forever I, like it, it no, doesn't I, I think i think Go my ahead. favorite thing about the bosses on the highest difficulty is i have to hit them for about 10 minutes straight but if they <laughs> hit me twice that it's you're dead dime yeah over, dude. yeah i i don't like that what i do like which i find way more difficult actually is random groupings of like five enemies in some random spot on the way to this objective that i'm headed to because those combats are technically very hard and sure. yeah it's a lot of rolling a lot of parrying a lot of ma maneuvering and just game sense knowing where all the enemies are at the same time yeah very hard very difficult 
they don't feel nearly as bullets or bullet spongy. They don't feel nearly as axe spongy in this case. Um, like they do take more hits, but you can still kill an enemy. Like you push them up against the wall, you get them a circle where you can do a finisher move. Maybe you have to do two finisher moves on them, but it, like oh, it still feels thing. difficult. That just annoyed me about coming from God of War 2018 to Ragnarok was anytime you had the finisher move up here in 2018, it successfully full killed the guy, no matter really mm. what the health it was oh, yeah. on that person. And this one, it's like you get you you work that that uh, sponge all the way down to you know actually get in uh, the break bar. Then once that happens, you use your um, finisher. Now you're kind of a sitting duck because. You have to wait for the animation to complete. All mm -hmm. the people around you have now, you know, formed around you. There's projectiles coming out. So you come out of that. Guy's not dead. And then you get hit twice and die. Yeah. Yeah. Part of me it thinks... It doesn't sound like the hardest difficulty is a lot of fun. That's what, I'm gonna, yeah. that's what I was going to say. Part of me thinks it's just not worth playing on the hardest difficulty. Because you don't get any achievements. Or does for sound it, like so. all of your issues stem from choosing the hardest difficulty? <laughs> yeah, but I want to play it where it's hard. I don't want to play it where I'm just like walking over enemies. I don't think you'll walk over it on the next level down. See, <sighs> what always gets me because I've had that thought before, where I get to a boss and it kills me in like one or two hits, and I go, "This is bullshit. I'm gonna stop." But then I beat the boss basically hitless, and then I'm yeah. like, "Fuck yes, <laughs> yeah. I am a god." <laughs> Nobody yeah. can stop me. This is great. Yeah. Yep. So like, I don't there was know, a boss that keeps going away. A good ten to fifteen times, and it was because of the fact that I like this was boss was like the key moment of hey, you can't just dodge back. You have to dodge to the side. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so once I figured that out, I, literally without getting touched, without using my because like also using the Heck rage yeah. is another thing where it's like. You know, this is, all right, I've given up. I'm using my rage. You know, mm -hmm. I, I can't do this. But I didn't have to use my rage. I didn't I get touched. And I, I mopped the floor with that boss. And I was like, yes, this <laughs> feels so good. That part's satisfying. Love that. I wish, it, like, they would just do more damage to you and you would deal more damage to them. So, like, maybe it doesn't take 10 minutes of just constantly swinging an axe. Maybe it takes like two and a half, three minutes of constantly swinging an axe, but you still have the same threat of death from two hits from a boss. I'm sure. okay with that. I don't, I don't know. It, there was one part at the beginning of the game at the Light Elf section where I almost turned it to Give Me No Mercy instead of Give Me God of War because I walked into the room. There's a dude with a samurai sword. There's a dude with double uh, swords, and there's a dude with yep. a projectile. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, Nightmare Spawn after... Uh, and then like a th like three more of those guys spawn, and I I did that fight probably fifty times because I would get two hit by the samurai guy every single time. Yeah, let me tell you where I almost quit the game. I was doing the freaking side mission for what's her face. Um, what is her name? Yeah, for sure. The main the, girl. What's her face? Freya. Freya. Thank you. I just <laughs> oh my blamed. god. <laughs> Sorry. Sometimes this happens, guys. I'm like 54. Okay, remember that. That's so anyway, good point. I'm doing the to be mission where you spoilers. By the way, I, I don't think I'm going to go to a spoiler here. Um, I, based on where Chad's at, I won't describe specifically what you're doing on the mission. Well, where's Jake at? <laughs> you're doing a side quest for her. I, I mean, I, I'm pretty far. You okay. get to this part where you have two split paths, and you basically have to go through both of the split paths. And I don't know, have you guys faced the enemy that basically makes all of the other enemies invisible or invincible because he's like singing? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, freaking mm -hmm. worst I know enemy the part in the you're game. Talking about right now, and is it the one who's is... behind the wall. 
He's behind the freaking wall. Oh, yeah. And you have to go mm-hmm. through a pathway. Uh, and then there's sprint, dudes man. who are just spitting acid everywhere. <laughs> oh, and you yeah. get hit by one acid ball and you're dead. And it's like, what am I doing in this game right now? I had a rage so meter set. for that section. That was, that was an easy section with the rage meter. Oh, my. I ha- like that. I didn't. The problem was when I got there, I didn't have any rage left yeah. over. Yeah. So then I'm like, I got to just technically figure out how to beat this. And I finally did, but I, it probably took me like 30 or 40 attempts. I mean, it was brutal. <laughs> and uh, the hatred bosses are also incredibly difficult. Very hard. Give me God of War. It might They're be the hardest fun. boss in the game. They are fun. They are fun. But again, that's technically difficult and unique combat because it's game sense. It's underhand, understanding how to swap between also your axe and... breaking the game sometimes, you know, just throwing yeah. it out there. <laughs> yeah. You cheesed Where? it a little bit. Yeah, in uh, oh, what is that place? It's like the first place you Alfheim. go to in the desert. Yeah, I'll find. Uh, there's a ledge that you have to get up before you get to the the Draugr hole, and you can actually drop off that ledge, get back up, drop off that ledge, get back up, and it like resets the combat, but not the health. Ah, <laughs> uh, there yep. it is. Wow. Yep. So it's like after the you know twentieth time trying to fight him, I was just like, I'm just gonna get this over with. <laughs> His. His freaking attack move where he sprints at you and then he does both axes from the ground up. Mm. Just bam, bam. If you do not dodge to the side. Yeah, basically you, dead. <laughs> so, he just tracks sorry. you. Yeah. Oh, uh, a tip for any for those of us who are on the highest difficulty. If you die, you, you respawn with full health. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if I'll you go into a fight with low advantage. health, just die right away as fast <laughs> yeah. as you fucking can oh. to get health refill. Mm. That's terrible. Here's yeah. the thing: if I go into a fight with half health, that's one hit. I'm not gonna win with that. Yeah. I might as well die and get more health. Touching that's, a that's um, so a portal also will like refill you. Yes, I learned that the other mm. day. Yeah. Very nice. It's pretty nice in some situations. Do anything specific to refill my rage meter before I go find anybody? No, sir. The I think the portal <laughs> refills your rage. Does it really? Oh, oh, man. But in some situations, it takes it away again. What? Oh. <laughs> Thanks, Alex. Appreciate that. Uh, okay. Restarting checkpoint does not refill health or rage, because I thought I was being clever, and rather mm. than sitting through the long death animation where it's like, do you want to revive for these two enemies who got lucky hits on you? I'm like, no, I just want to go. I'll just restart the last checkpoint to go faster. You start again with like two health. Very annoying. <laughs> the trick just is just to never carry health. revive crystal. We don't have to worry about that dumb The, the trick is to just refill my health after every combat game. <laughs> Why are you dicking me around like this? Okay, just refill question. it. Is there... Uh, maybe I just got into like some weird bug or something, but is there a point at which you um like you cannot use a revive crystal even if you have a companion with you? Like, are there some combats where it just doesn't allow you to do that? You have to have yeah. one. I I definitely had one. I I don't know. Sometimes it's weird. I don't think so. I, okay. I mainly had issues in the first game where like Atreus would be like busy like strangling an enemy and i would die and they'd be like atreus save me and he'd be like no i'm choking this guy <laughs> it's, yeah it's weird too because i have the opposite issue where i've used a revive gem before and then the next combat i'm able to use it again you can oh. always oh wait you mean like you used it succeeded at the combat and then you can use yeah. it again the next combat That's yeah weird. I don't know how that it's happened very weird. I, I thought i had to go back and buy one but like game glitched guess i don't know yeah, if you die again, it gives it back to you. Right. Yeah, I yeah. know that. 
which this is, is that nice. is not the case. There's one specific instance where, for whatever reason, it let me use two in a row in the same fight. Weird. Oh, that's cool. And so I did not have two in a row. Fight. That's embarrassing. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's a hard fight. You never died two, tw- two times in the same fight, Jake? No. Never. <laughs> I, I find, uh-huh. really, I I find died three this times game hilarious because right before I played Ragnarok, I was getting to the end of the Valkyries, and I told Alex, you know, if Atreus had a solo game, I'd probably play it. Huh. And then he was like, <laughs> you're saying this before Ragnarok? <laughs> Oh, I was like, yeah, because like uh, you play other games and you, the side character or whatever is always kind of just annoying and whatever. Like, I don't really care about them. Like, I want to know what the main character is doing. Uh, but like, there's two different games that I've, I've ever played that I'm like, all right, yeah, the side characters are actually kind of like interesting. I want to know their story. And God of War has been one where I want to see like Atreus as like an adult or whatever and like see where he goes, what happens, etc. Uh, but Gears of War was the second one, which actually they did which was like played as the children of uh delta squad so interesting that i said that before ragnarok mm-hmm. yeah very it solid game i, I, I in, honestly incredible game the dialogue is again it just blows my mind how much time they must have spent recording interactions and dialogue lines between characters insane <laughs> Just people mm-hmm. always talking. Everyone except for Kratos. He's just, you know. <laughs> that, you know. <laughs> I I also really like this game. They kind of took uh, some aspects of, like, how you interact with the game and really played on that a little bit. Like, I really like when Atreus is acting as Kratos. Like, he's talking like he's Kratos in his voice. And, like, complaining and stuff. I think that's very, very good. Very well done. Um, the whole like they have conversations about right at the beginning of the game when they have a conversation about why they no longer have any of their abilities or magic mm. they're just like alright well let's just have Mimir tell everybody why you don't have this and we'll just leave it alone that's it done this is why we're starting over at zero I... cool game very very fun I'm not changing the difficulty Jake good good on you man if it's I'm more not fun, gonna do it either just change it no, no I'm gonna, we're, I'm gonna finish it. we're real gamers. That's right, capital. Sure. Also, do you, is it ever because you're fighting things under leveled? Because that's what I did a lot. Never. <laughs> I hardly ever fight somebody who's like a, a a enemy who's above you, right? Has a purple health bar. And usually, yeah, like, like or sometimes I think if they're like more than one level ahead of you, they're purple. Yeah, and then I like orange if they're one level ahead of you. Or almost like that. never fight purple. I'm gonna enemies. have to pay more attention to that. Yeah. Well, there's like another level. It's like a skull on the side of it, right? Where Caleb it's like, pointed out skull is like they're did not too far this. ahead to like tell you. Yeah. yeah. Caleb pointed out, and I did not know this that poison reduces you by a level. Yes, mm. poison mm. doesn't actually do like poison damage. It reduces the level of the thing that's poisoned. What? It's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. You I can was also like... poison enemies, and it does the same thing to them. Oh, I I know you can poison enemies. That dude is a skull. Oh wait, the skull went away, and then Caleb typed in chat. Yeah. Oh yeah, you you were poisoned. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So if you poison a boss that's like a couple levels ahead of you, you can you can 
kind of like bring it back in your favor a bit. Oh my gosh. <laughs> or you could just cool. fight him at the normal level. Yeah, no, 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 no. I don't know what things uh, higher level that did you speed run the main story and then do the side quests? He was playing on an easy difficulty. I there's some side stuff you could find that's I pretty much did everything that I could as soon as I had access to it, right? That's, okay. so, that's what I have been mm-hmm. doing. Those, I mean, those portals that you can open with like a small group of enemies. Those are usually higher level than you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Those They're are at least like purple. almost always. One of yeah. those was like You're maybe the, the hardest fight in the game for me. Yeah, rifts, the Yggdrasil rifts, or whatever they're called. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've learned that I just don't do those. <laughs> oh, I have I better things to do with my time. They're so hard. I sometimes. did one in, in Vanaheim, and it was miserable. Yeah, right. They're just they're not. I'll come back to these when I'm max level and I have two axes <laughs> See, or whatever. You, you got to use your environment on the hardest difficulty. So you yeah, switch to yeah. no no, uh, no weapons just, and then you just start slamming people. people off of ledges. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I do. Uh, I use the uh, the uh, I throw an axe at people and then I run and I do the heavy attack where it slams on the ground and shoves mm. them backwards. Mm. I just force them into a corner and then I shove them off a cliff. I'm like, all right, done, man. Everybody's at least through Alfheim right now. So there's one that opens there that just has like two guys with like staves, like two big dudes with staves. And that was like so difficult for me. The arena in that one is horrible. It's like a tiny circle and then like a skinny path. And that's that's yeah. all you got. Half of the reason that one's so difficult is because the arena is terrible. I'm assuming that's through the magic door. I don't think I think it's on the I think it's yeah. the first time you get there. Hmm. Mm, I don't think so. I did pretty much everything there. And I don't remember any of that. Yeah, I don't remember any of that mm. either. And I did everything I but could. But there find, was one door to. that you need. I think you need Freya for. You need Freya, yeah. And yeah, so I haven't gone back to do that yet. Maybe I should. Get leveled up. You don't want those enemies with skulls. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's uh, skip on to, of course, let's talk about some games. We haven't been doing that yet. And uh, <laughs> about time we talk about one. A couple of people have been playing some Tribes of Midgard. T-O-M, yeah. Another oh, sorry. T-O-M. Weird, weirdly, I'm into crafting game. <laughs> yeah, Maybe it's like a survival. Like it's I a survival crafter, but Caleb's playing it. Yeah. I did play. It's a survival crafting roguelike. Yeah, I think that's why you're so playing this one. Over. They want to be over with that. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can. You can't. So there's two different game modes. There's the saga mode. I think I said that correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's basically the roguelike where you have 14 days in game to pretty much successfully do whatever you want. After that, it's endless night, endless mobs coming to attack your base, and you pretty much just gotta buy a frost out. Uh, then there's survival, which is you pretty much go at your own pace. It doesn't matter. I don't think there's really a day counter. Uh, I haven't really. We. I don't, none of us have played that. I've looked into it, but um, it seems like your uh, survival crafter that you wouldn't want to play because it's not roguelike. Mm-hmm. And you have to like actually build the village in that one, and like, <laughs> nah, I'm out. No, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. In the saga mode, your village is already pre-built. You just upgrade it. Uh, mm-hmm. There is, I mean, if you took the time and were quick enough, you could build other defenses like walls and ramps and all sorts. You could do the you whole could. crafting thing if you really, really wanted to. 
Uh, it seems like mostly, it takes so much time. Don't have time for that. Yeah. Yeah, you don't have time for that. There's, I mean, if you're playing with a group of ten, maybe one person could do that, while like mm, the other maybe. nine complete the you know whatever's happening. Which, by the way, the the game's ten players. Um, oh, dang. Which is really cool. Uh, because uh, well, Jake, you own the game because of Humble Bundle. Do um, I really? Yeah. Yep. And so oh, we we've so been I trying can... to get a big group to play it, and so far it's been Caitlin, Alex. Caleb, myself. Uh, my father plays. True. My mother says it makes her sick. Um, <laughs> so that's interesting. Uh, so like motion the... sick? <laughs> I don't I don't Possibly. Know. I don't know. Some <laughs> some video games just mess with her inexplicably. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, Guild Wars is, is fine, though, with all the explosions and dodging person? and rolling. It's, it's top down. down. It's top down. It's tough to, okay. All right. Usually it's first person games that bother her. Like she can't right. really play any first well, person stuff. She can play Lost Ark. Yeah, I don't know. I don't understand Weird. this one. Yeah. So town's already built up. You can upgrade the gates. Um, but basically you start off at these like rune things, kind of like where you spawn in Velheim. Uh, and you touch one of them and it starts you off on a quest, the prologue, where you kill a uh, Jotun. Um, and then once you're done with that, should take like you 30 minutes. Uh, you start going after Fenrir, uh, and that sh- you know t- it basically tells you how many minutes it'll take for each section. Um, you pretty much could skip the first one. You could go to the the second one. You could just go after Fenrir. Uh, but there's like objectives you have to meet, like find the bridge, rebuild the bridge, find the gateway to get to Fenrir. Uh, once you get there, kill Fenrir. All right, you're done. Um, Supposedly, as after Alex looked up uh, some information, you should be able to get everything done within 12 days. That seems ridiculous. Everything? He just said two of them were done within 12 days, Wait, right? Isn't there three things? I mean, the prologue should take you like no, but there, at there's, all. No, there's three guys after the prologue. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Make, makes sense. So just, a, I don't know if we talked about the base kind of gameplay. Um, it's almost an extraction game because you pop in, you're doing survival uh crafting stuff just to build up your arsenal and then occasionally a giant will appear on the map and move towards your village and destroy your village when it gets there and then you lose and every night little mobs come try to attack your village to destroy it and you gotta defend it every night otherwise you're going out and exploring the world in order to find said bridge if you're going towards Fenrir or something I forget what the what it is for Jormungandr. I think you have to light some bonfires and you find out in the world. Mm-hmm. But it's it's almost an extraction game because you want to you want to get as much done as you can and then leave before your base gets destroyed that way you maintain uh these golden horn currencies that allow you to buy both gameplay related things and uh just cosmetic stuff. There's different classes as well. So we start off with warrior and I don't know what Hunter, the ranger's called. Think. Hunter. Yeah. Um so basically you have like a bow or a sword. I mean you can use any weapon. Like it doesn't lock you to that weapon, but you you just do more damage if you use those weapons. Uh and then there's other stuff that you can unlock uh such as um like the berserker which takes killing 20 enemies within 10 seconds. There's the Warden, which I believe is the one that you uh, can go to these things called Shrines, which are fast travel points across the map, and you activate 15 of them, uh, and you unlock that guy. Um, this It all basically tells you in-game like how to unlock each thing. Uh, the Seer is like using the Bifrost eight times successfully. Um, 
different different stuff like that. So uh, you can actually play several different ways. Um, and then within those different classes, there's like different perk trees that you can only spend 10 points on. Uh, I think there's like 20 different options. So each each time you play, you can play a whole whole separate way. Um, yeah, it's, it seems kind of cool. It's like you're it's it's lost Arky, but with like how it plays, top down, you you know attack with um, left click, or I believe it would be what right right click with your or right trigger with the controller because whoever plays controller mm-hmm. here can explain that. Uh, you can play with either. Um, I think from what I understand, people have been enjoying controller a lot more than mouse and keyboard. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Seems good. It just seems better on controller. Just weird work for a game where you can build stuff and craft stuff. Yeah, building is not good on on controller. No, (laughs) I actually swapped a mouse and keyboard when I was trying to build ramps and stuff. But Mm. yeah, there's different um, camps and stuff that you kill. You could loot chests from them. You get different uh, items. Everything's shared once you put it into the the chest at your base. Uh, so you don't have to go out of the base at all if you don't want. You can just have everybody else do the work for you and then upgrade <laughs> your gear. The roguelike systems are, like, really light. Yeah. Like, it seems like once we get it down where we can, like, defeat the the ancients, like, there won't be really much more to strive for. Yeah. I think like there's, there's by not the time like... I've defeated the ancients each once, I'll be done yeah. probably i wouldn't be surprised if i was done there then. there's like runes which give you i guess kind of build like roguelike builds depending on what you can get to drop for that but it's very That's true. minimal mm-hmm. um and the progression outside of the game is mostly cosmetic but there is like some new weapon blueprints and stuff like that that you can unlock for gameplay stuff yeah, there's also like you can unlock starting kits so that when you load into the the map, you already have like a pickaxe and a axe or whatever. Get you up and running a bit faster. Mm-hmm. But it's not yeah the roguelite stuff is not huge. It's an interesting concept. I think I always think the um the beginning of any survival crafting game is like the most fun part when you're just like progressing really quickly and like everything's new so it's kind of interesting that they took a like a a view on it where they you just do the beginning part a bunch of times in a row it was also commented on while we were playing that the gathering portion of this game is actually very fast and so you're not sitting there hitting a rock for like ever or sitting hitting a tree Uh, it takes like two seconds you pretty much as you're holding w or holding uh your left stick forward can do it 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 won't delay you much at all you pretty much keep up with people even if you're gathering stuff and sprinting uh you know straight ahead yeah cool game cool be cool to get a a huge group together see what we can do with the ancients uh let's talk about two things in news realm real quick um, Jake, do you want to talk about some Wizards of the Coast stuff? I would love to. So I don't know if uh, if you guys heard about this, but with one D and D, there's been a rumor going around, and it's it seems pretty confirmed at this point uh, that Wizards of the Coast is changing their open game license. Uh, mm-hmm. So yep. prior to this, they had a very generous open game license that was kind of just like do whatever, 
Like, fuck it. I don't care. Don't that's sell you... our stuff, but yeah, otherwise, right. have fun with it. It's why you, you have a lot of community-made content. Like, you can have D&D books not officially published by them, or you can have groups like um, like Critical Role, who are playing a D&D, who are using D&D, and then basically selling their own campaign, right? But now, it seems like they are changing that. Uh, the t- the, so there are two main parts that people seem to take issue with. The first one, well, the first one I think is not a big deal, ex- unless you're a group like Critical Role. Uh, if you make more than 750000 a year from your D&D content, essentially, you have to pay Wizards of the Coast, I think, 25% of everything above that 75000 this doesn't affect almost anyone, but for a group like Critical Role, where they probably make way more than that, yeah, I wonder if in the future they go, you know what? Let's just not do D and D. Let's just yeah. do a different Any system. Other RPG system. Yeah, right. Because like, why would they? There are so many systems. Why? Why give up twenty five percent of your revenue if you don't have to? Mm-hmm. The other thing uh, that people are worried about is with part of this license uh the the line is that wizard of the coast may modify or terminate this agreement for any reason whatsoever provided they give 30 days notice (laughs) which basically gives them license to cancel you or change the terms of the deal for basically at any time as long as they give Mm -hmm. you a month of notice that's wild because people are planning content so far in advance well, because if you're if you're making a new D and D book and you're like investing time and money into it, and then you know a month before release, Wizards is like, um, actually, you can't do that. We changed our mind, uh, and you just can't do that. And it's like, oh, great. So I'm just sunk, just absolutely one hundred percent sunk, and there's basically nothing you can do about it. I was reading that uh, this has a lot to do with the fact. So Hasbro bought. Wizards of the Coast, like late '90s or something, and mm-hmm. they last year moved them as like they used to just be operated as a subsidiary, and now they're like actual element of Hasbro. Mm. And I think that has part to do with the fact that they saw such a rise because of COVID. They saw such a rise in people buying, you know, books mm. and uh, digital assets for Wizards of the Coast stuff, and decided, you know what, we're probably not doing enough with this. We could make more money off of it. We're just kind of letting it sit here. And at least that's kind of what I read is people are speculating. That's like the main driver behind the changes in policy. I mean, it. on the one hand, they definitely are not making as much money as they could off of D&D. Sure. Because so much of D&D is community driven, right? Like it's groups like Critical Role being like, this is a great system. We're going to build our own thing off of this and then essentially sell it as our own thing. Right. But then like, on the other hand, if you make that really hard, people are going to just stop doing that. And so then just like, they're going to go to other systems for that. Right. Like if it's like, Hey, it's actually kind of scary to build your platform off of D and D because now they could cancel it. Or if you get really famous, they're going to take a quarter of your revenue. Then it's like, shit, maybe we should stop. Let's just use a different system. Why? Why use this? Yeah, it's strange decision-making process. But, you know, 
Like I, I can't even begin to comprehend why CEOs of big businesses make the decisions that they do, because a lot of times, mm-hmm. you know, for people who play the things they create, it doesn't really seem like financially a smart decision, but maybe on their end it is. I don't know. I I feel like a lot of times when you see stuff like this, because I know this is the case for a lot of video game companies where the CEO isn't always in tune with the um, sort of the markets that they are a part of. Like a lot of video game company CEOs are like fast food company CEOs. Right. Like they're they like used to own like they're the just career CEOs. CEOs. Exactly. Yes. And yes. so they come in and they're like, what is this? D&D? We should be making two billion dollars off of this. <laughs> Charge no more. And it's like, well, that doesn't really work for the product we're serving. And it's like they don't care. They said they want more money, so you got to go make them more money. I guess. It is weird to me that you can see the role of a CEO as being just like basically like a manager. Like it's like it's like a title that you could hold at any company, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. That doesn't really when when you direct a company, it doesn't really seem like you should just have no. No idea what they understanding do. of what's yeah. going on for everyone underneath that, that blows my mind. Yeah, it's it's certainly something. Yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll see how it is. I was curious. I was doing some googling before we got here because I believe Pathfinder Second Edition is also created under that open game license. Yep, for D anD D, which is baffling to me. I don't. That it seems like they should have had their own thing. I don't know why they would have relied on that, but whatever. They did. They they did announce that they would make their own license for 2.0 stuff. Mm. Oh, that's good at least. Like as a result of this, or like yeah. Okay, I mean, it makes sense. That yeah, makes if, sense. This it does end up being the problem that it sounds like it's going to be. I just, it, I'm going to be interested to see where this goes. It feels like Wizards of the Coast is exclusively shooting themselves in the foot with this yeah like it it seems like they're really going to drive away a lot of the community and goodwill that they have built up with it interestingly enough um apparently this year or i guess last year technically april of last year hasbro filed with the sec their sort of uh, earnings for the first quarter and in that they listed that magic the gathering and dungeons and dragons make up 70 percent of the company's entire valuation (laughs) <laughs> holy crap wow yeah wow that's crazy that's all that is a lot of money yeah it's that's a yeah wow yeah anyway i just thought that was an interesting factoid considering you know this is just like a wild decision from them to make to make all these major changes when all of this has been so open and and accessible to so many people for so many years yeah, and especially when you can set, like, the openness, I think, is part of what made it so big. Yeah. You know, like, I, I think if this policy was in place beforehand, Critical Role probably wouldn't exist. Mm-mm. Or wouldn't yeah. exist with D&D, right? They would have done something different. Right, yeah. With right. a more right. open policy. It, it's just... It's only because it's so open that it's become so popular, right. I'm sure. I, I don't know, man. It's crazy to me. Uh, all it also right, becomes uh, a problem. Oh, sorry, go ahead. You're good. No, you no, can, no, we can ahead. move go on. Ahead. Okay. Um, I did want to also bring up this. Jakey put this in the notes. Uh, Ubisoft, mm-hmm. uh, some delays on games. Yeah, I know. We're all we're all going to be really disappointed because it's the game we've all been looking forward to most. <laughs> Don't say Skull it. Skull and Bones dare... is getting delayed. Oh, no. I know. What? We all saw that, like, 
that gameplay they put out and we were like wow that looks so good and <laughs> innovative but they're delaying it maybe they're delaying it because it doesn't look fun <laughs> no this is no, Ubisoft we're talking about that yeah. can't be right yeah that's never Wait, stopped them before this spawned off of uh, Black Flag right yeah uh-huh. Yeah, it's been in development hell for like forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ten yeah. years ago. Okay, yeah. Ubisoft and they out. shut off that gameplay that was just you on a boat and you can't leave the boat. <laughs> Ubisoft <laughs> tweeted out, "Name it's just a worse game in every way. you're proud to have 100 percent completed." Somebody replied, "Hey, Ubi, why don't you name a game that you've 100 percent completed before release?" Got him! Oh my god! Dang, they right though. Uh, but yeah, no, they they've delayed a bunch of other stuff. Um, I think Avatar: Frontiers of Pandora, you know that Avatar game everyone's really excited about. <laughs> mm, I believe yes. that's getting delayed. Uh, Assassin's Creed Mirage, and then they canceled a bunch of stuff. We don't, I don't think we have details on a lot of those, but I think at mm. least one of them was a Splinter Cell game, like an unannounced Splinter Cell project that they were working on. Canceled mm. now. I don't know, man. It sounds like things maybe aren't going good at Ubisoft. Uh, they, again, I don't know why I'm going to the money side of this, but, um, they announced that their 2023 projections for their net bookings is going to be what they had projected was up 10% year over year. Now they're projecting down 10% year over year Woof. from $830 million to $725 million saying, uh, when they were commenting about the two games that they had just released, which are Mario and Rabbids Sparks of Hope and Just Dance 2023, both underperformed the last two months, which was, quote, markedly and surprisingly slower than expected, and that they are facing major challenges as the industry continues to shift towards mega brands and long-lasting titles that can reach players across the globe, across platforms and business models. What? That's kind of a weird thing to say for the company that owns Assassin's Creed. Right? Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like, like their whole thing for the past decade has been, we've got these pillar franchises that we're just going to pump games out of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, okay. Admittedly, like Just Dance and Mario Rabbits. I don't know who expected those to perform super well. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, you know, I don't have the business figures, but well, I could have told you the sequel to Mario and Rabbids would have there's done a, pretty mid there's a twitch community huge off of the just dance stuff all right I watch, I, mean, <laughs> I watch that animal rant every once in a while do some just dance i'm gonna tell mm. you what you know what i'll believe that <laughs> <laughs> man what a company what a company man yeah <laughs> all right is that all we got wait chad had something else yeah, so it's not on the list, so we can't talk about it. But I'm going to talk about it anyways. <laughs> okay, Did, perfect. Rebel. I don't remember the last time we had a podcast, and I also don't remember the last time I was on a podcast. So, uh, did we talk about the Fortnite issue? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. At least I don't mm. know of one. Have you guys heard of the Fortnite issue? It mm. has captured the hearts and minds of a generation and <laughs> of youth. <laughs> Now they're infected uh, so by it. It's actually being targeted by the FTC currently. Um, oh. And it has to pay 500 and something million. Hold on. Let me get the number. Uh, it is 520 million to settle the case. 245 million is going to be in customer refunds. 
because they uh, had systems in place that um, targeted children, children. Uh, to buy their stuff and then accidentally mm. buy their stuff and then also not ask for the CVV for cards and stuff like that. So they were just able to rack up uh, wow. you know, freaking predatory no monetization CVV. practices. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So, Wow, Alex, that was really good. I liked that. Freaking uh, predatory monetization practices, bro. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I Who like would have guessed any video game company would do that? That's that's <laughs> never happened in the history of video that's games. Never yeah. happened. All, so that's why it's... this is so unique. So yeah. what's, what's interesting? Surprise, yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry. What's interesting is the FTC plans to make the refunds available to people who bought stuff from January 2017 to November 2018. So I could potentially buy a graphics card coming here in the near future. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> to refund your entire Fortnite account. Yeah, which it doesn't Those explicitly funds. say whether or not once you refund, if it's just the money that you're getting back or if you're getting back the money and then you have to give up those skins. So I guarantee you it's it's going to be a settlement value. Like, it's yeah. not going to be what you Probably. pay into Fortnite. It's going to be mm-hmm. a percentage of the overall split amongst all Fortnite players that fall into the category and ask for get, refunds like, over a course of time. $2. So you're yeah, you get like, like $7. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it happens with any class action lawsuit, right? They get, like, uh-huh. this yeah. giant thing, and then they tell everybody, oh, hey, mesothelioma. Come be a part of this class action lawsuit. And then people go and they're like, well, they get like a $5 check. And the lawyers make a bunch of money. The lawyers make yeah. a freaking garbage ton of money. And at least it does cost the company a bunch of money. That's irrelevant. Sure. Doing I mean, $550 stuff. million dollars for Epic. Yeah, this yeah, is a like to them. Freaking pocket change, man. <laughs> Pretty much true. Oh, man. They're blowing that on the daily on the Epic Game Store. It's giving true. games away for free. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, shoot. Well, it'll be interesting to see how that works out. Chad, let us know uh, next time you, uh, after you get it, how much you got. Yeah, I'm signed up for the subscription letter. That it's, they said that before Christmas this was supposed to happen, but then it's been pushed off. So, well, God only knows when this is going to actually go through. It's, it's, it's also a government institution. It takes a while yeah. for anything to move. I guess so. like two years. Yeah. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> this will be the Pray for the Gods update. <laughs> alongside uh silk song yep uh, that's is right Fortnite hey. on ios uh it used to be but apple stuck it to the man remember okay yeah i know they had the whole lawsuit i never knew if they yeah I, a, that. I thought it had gone back honestly apple does what they want yeah i can true. check i think i have it on my phone so hold up i know the last time i logged into it uh it told me that i was on a a version previous and so oh. I couldn't play with people. I could only play with the people who are on the iOS version. Interesting. I think it's still not back yet. Oh, yeah. According to cursory mm. Google search. Weird. Also, it's not on my phone anymore because I guess when I swapped phones, it just didn't transfer over. Hmm. Wow. Well, uh, check back in in two weeks. We will have an update on, Ch- on Chad's FTC money. Plus, we'll have an update on Silk Song. Plus, we'll have an update on Pray for the Gods, even though it's already out. But it's still important to have updates on those all the time. Is uh, also, Are we also going to have an update on our Game of the Year podcast? Yeah, that's going to be our Game of the Year podcast. That's okay, important. great. It's going to be yeah. one long podcast. Holy. <laughs> Why? We're all just going to agree that it's Elden Ring, except for Owen. And then the podcast is going to be yeah, over. Yeah, Owen will say that the colors enough. are bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> colors are He's bad. He's not even here to hear us roast on. Oh, Owen. <laughs> Oh, Speaking man. of colors, it's actually a color theory video that I posted into our Discord. <laughs> it's two hours long. 
I'm really excited to watch it, but yes, it is two hours long. <laughs> the intro was good enough for the TLDR. Yes. So if anybody wants to watch two minutes of a two-hour video, they can get the TLDR and, and get out. We'll do. We'll do. All right. Well, everybody, thanks so much for joining us, and uh, we'll catch you next time. See you. This week's podcast was edited by me, Aaron Juno. Other voices this week include Alex McCoslin, Chad McCoslin, Jake John Fetterkyle, and Caleb Juno. This week's music was again brought to you by Amer. You can check out his music on Spotify, or you can also check it out on soundcloud.com forward slash Amer. Additionally, you can check out everything that we do, We Are The Horizon, at our website, www.wearethehorizon.com. We have a lot of video posts as well as links to other content we've done in the past. You can also check out our new series, The Discordant Signal, a multi-arc Starfinder adventure, live on Twitch every Monday at 8 p.m. and then out on YouTube and whatever podcasting app you are using at 6 p.m. on Thursdays. Again, thanks so much for joining us and we'll catch you next time.